0: As an Olympian, a world-class champion, and record-breaking title holder, my next guest knows well the diligence, perseverance, and just plain hard work to achieving one's dreams and why giving up is never an option. What she learned on and off the field of life would soon be tested in unimaginable ways. Here to share that story and more in part two of our conversation today is award-winning author, motivational speaker, and daughter of the man they called Charles W. King Jr., or quote Chuck, as he was affectionately known, and the book written to honor his memory entitled King Here, Never Too Old, Too Rich, or Too Anything to Meet Jesus. Would you welcome back to Testimony a great joy indeed, Trish Porter Topmiller. Trish, welcome back to Testimony.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love being here.
0: Well, it's great to have you. I love having you here. In our last segment, you shared the success, tragedy, and eventual triumph of your father, Chuck King, who would find Jesus at the end of his life, but then choose To end his life, leaving you and your family with the devastation of that decision and the unanswered questions as to why. For this segment, Trish, I want to delve even more into the ramifications of opioid addiction which took your father's life and the hope you found to navigate through it all despite your own personal grief and loss And why giving up is really never an option. But Jesus is. Trish Porter, first question. There are those that question your father's salvation in view of what they perceived as his, quote, lack of transformation, and then his decision to end his life. Can you speak to this and the role opioids played in that decision?
1: Yes. Yes. You know, I think we all want to say when you accept the Lord and ask Jesus into your life, there's going to be this huge, dramatic transformation. And some people are fortunate and do have, have that. But this was an 82-year-old man who had never gone to church, who had never really done much as far as with interpersonal, really deep uh, emotions and, and interpersonal communication. And so I think we expected, we'd love him to be able to come home from church and say, oh boy, that really touched me and moved me in this way, and and et cetera, et cetera. That didn't happen. For him, it was much more subtle. He had his Bible, and you saw that it was moving on his bed in different places, so we knew he was reading it. This was a man who slept 21, 22 hours a day, typically, and didn't get out of bed often until 1 or 2 o'clock. But he had gone to church a few times on his own, and that means he got up early in the morning, he got himself dressed, he drove uh, to the church, which is a little scary because he had lots of scratches on his dents in his car, so we don't know what happened on that opioid use, but mm-hmm. so he was desiring to go to church. So there were, there were changes. Um, he just didn't have that major, you know, I want to live life and get off my drugs um, kind of change. But he was decreasing his medication. His, through Beth Ann, he his caretaker, she started decreasing his opioids, and he was getting better and living a little bit more of
0: life. Now, for our listeners who may have missed part one of our conversation, can you recap your father, what he was about, what he lost, and why he ended up in that bed for 21, 22 hours a day?
1: Yeah, so my father was an amazing man. He loved outrageous adventures. Um, he was athletic and loved sports and snow skied and water skied and played tennis. Uh, his adventures, he had climbed the Matterhorn. He had motorcycled on his Harleys to Sturgis, South Dakota, and up to Canada. He once, this is one of my favorites, he once took a date. Um, he flew in a private jet from San Francisco to Los Angeles so they could have dinner on the Goodyear Blimp. Over the night that he lights in Los Angeles. So and he had gone around the world in 26 days on the Concorde, which was a supersonic jet for his honeymoon. So he was a big adventurer. He was also a multimillionaire, but he felt that his financial fortress was invincible and he had no need for God. He even once told me, pointed finger, I have more money than God. And if I lost half my money, I'd still be rich. Wow. Little did he know, because really what happened then in 2007, he ended up losing 97% of his money. And that started a big spiral downhill where his back was hurting. And so he decided to go to doctors. And several doctors gave him pain meds, which was Oxycontin and Oxycodone. And that began the journey of him um, becoming addicted and dependent on those and taking lots of them each day and getting them. From many doctors, many different doctors, and so then he would sleep. He'd sleep 21, 22 hours a day. He he lived in what he called the back cave, which was this dark room with blackout shades that he never opened the windows, and he just lived in that back cave, and that's where he spent his time in darkness, and depression, and
0: sleeping. Now, what did you do as his daughter to try and? get him out of this as a family, the grandchildren and all of that. You're an Olympian. You're a go-getter. You're a winner. You're positive. Nothing is impossible with God. You're a Christian. You know Jesus. Your father doesn't at this point. He eventually would come to the Lord through your husband. You're now second husband. You lost your first husband of 20 years and your 15-year-old son. And I mean, all of this in a four-year period, as you recount in your book, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Trish Porter Topmiller, her latest just-released, King here. Talk about your efforts to help your dad, but why opioid addiction can sometimes supersede even the greatest of those efforts.
1: Yes, well, I think, you know what? People become someone that they're, they're not on the drugs. My dad had told me all these great sayings and inspirational, um, motivational uh, quotes, and here's this person who then didn't want to get out of bed. And, And so he wasn't the same person. So we all, as a family, we tried to encourage him to go to the grandchildren's sporting events. We told him how much we loved him. I made a whole photo, huge photo album on how all the things he had said to us and taught me over the years and the kids and all the things he had done for my children to really let them know how important he was to us and how much we need him. And then we had talked about trying to do an intervention and we ended up not. you um, so opioid addiction, it's so serious and it really is a mental illness that people we need to be more understanding and patient with in some sense, but take it as something that is serious and not to ignore it.
0: amen. With not doing the intervention?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, in honesty, I, I wish we would have, um, but they really felt that this was an 80-year-old man who, again, was a multimillionaire who, who was in charge of his own life, and they felt like, you know, that was his choices he was making. And so I struggled with that because I, I did want to do the intervention, and at least we would have tried. But I do believe we did extend his life for many, many years because he had talked about suicide for so long, but he didn't. He went many more years, and his last year of his life really was a good year for his life. He was much more participatory because he was not taking as many opioids.
0: It can be very, very difficult. There are other stories where God will supernaturally intervene, and the person is instantly delivered of that spirit of addiction that can happen. I've seen that happen. But in your case, with your father, the best news is that your father received Jesus so that no matter the outcome, and he did end his life at age 82, we know where he is today. Why did you write King Here? What is the significance of the title? And Trish, how has your father's death helped you to live a better life
1: uh yeah so king here my dad was a man of few words and he'd answer the phone king here and and then his message machine would say king not here speak at the beat and so really king here is hey i'm answering and i'm telling you you know this is listen to my story but also has a double entendre of the king of kings saying king here listen to this story. I can offer you hope. I can offer you Jesus. So that's really the meaning of that. And I wrote it because when I looked back on his life, and I saw all this wonderful times and all these amazing adventures, and then the tragedy and all these tragic losses that looked so terrible. But really, then I saw the miracles. He had so many miracles. And I saw God work. And it was like a puzzle. And we just He had all these pieces of the puzzle and we just didn't know what the puzzle box top looked like until the end. And and so that was why um, I wrote it is that then I felt like I brought it to a publisher and they said, oh no, this isn't just for your family. This is something that needs to go out to other people because you'll inspire and and offer other people hope.
0: Any last words of comfort, exhortation, and or takeaway for our listeners and Trish, what has been the biggest takeaway for you personally? Uh,
1: well, I, I've had a few. I've had a few of husband and son having a relationship with Jesus. And so then they're in heaven now. And what a gift that was. And, and along with my dad, what a gift that those three have given my, my daughter and I that we know we'll see them again someday. And so I encourage other people, you know, To seek Jesus, because that's a gift you never know when your time is up. That's a gift that you can give your family, is that if they know, they'll see you again someday.
0: Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Olympian motivational speaker and award-winning author, her latest, King Here. Never too old, too rich, or too anything to meet Jesus. You can learn more about Trish's work, ministry, and mission by visiting trishportertotmiller.com and get her book, get informed, get inspired, and above all, get the hope that Jesus brings, no matter the addiction, the situation, the circumstance, all things are possible through Christ who loves us, Trish, thank you again for sharing more of your amazing journey and that of your father of blessed memory, Charles W. King, Jr., which encourages us all, no matter our station, gift, calling, millions, or next to nothing in life, that Christ is central, always will be, and that yes, in King here, as you so beautifully write, We are all never too old, too rich, or too anything to meet Jesus. We are thankful, Trish, that your father met Jesus before his death at age 82 and now continues his conversation with the King of Kings. We thank you, and God bless you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.